Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, August 18th episode of Poets and Muses. We chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. With us today is Pamela Rodriguez-Diaz, who will be discussing with me her poem, Black Enough, and my poem, Together. Before we do that, however, I am going to go over all the poetry events taking place in the Valley during the week of August 19th. On Tuesday, August 20th, from 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting their weekly poetry writing workshop at the Chandler Community Center at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. On Thursday, August 22nd, from 5 p.m., Dog-Eared Pages Youth Books will be hosting their monthly open mic, arts, letters, and cultural event at 16428 North 32nd Street, Suite 111 in Phoenix. From 7 to 9, Long Known Publishing will be hosting its weekly Phoenix Poetry Slam at the Lost Leaf at 914 North 5th Street in Phoenix. Make sure to get there by 6.50 to participate. From 8 to 11 p.m., Quinton Oni will be hosting his weekly open mic at Jobot Coffee and Bar at 333 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7.30 p.m. On Friday, August 23rd, from 6.30 to 10 p.m., Sozo Coffee House will be hosting an open mic night at 1982 North Alma School Road in Chandler. On Saturday, August 24th, from 7 to 9 p.m., Tamika Sanders, or Dr. T, will be hosting her twice-monthly open mic, this time featuring Calming Wind at Aroma Mocha Coffee, which is at 506 East Western Avenue, Suite 103 in Avondale. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week, Pamela Rodriguez-Diaz. Hi, Pamela. Welcome to Poets and Muses. Thank you so much, Imogen, for having me here with you today. It's definitely a pleasure. Me too. Because it means a poet recognizing another poet. So I'm so excited to talk to you today. Absolutely. There's enough room in the poet verse for all of us. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. So you wrote the poem Black Enough. But before we get into that, I would love for you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Definitely. I've been writing for a really long time. I'm originally from Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And I found a passion for writing when I was in high school through our Spanish class Mm -hmm. and we had to it was more mandatory and uh, definitely expressing yourself but it was more of the roses are red violets are blue you know making sure everything rhymed and in a very cookie cutter way of poetry and eventually I started seeing as I grew Def Jam poetry was definitely something that I loved Uh And how everybody was very different mm-hmm. and had their own voice. Mm-hmm. So it made me think, oh, you don't have to follow no. this standard poetry to yeah. be recognized as someone who can write. Right. That definitely turned me into exploring more about who I am as a writer. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the poetry world, especially form, has opened up so much. Since I've been writing as well, I never really follow form because... For me, poetry is about self-expression. Definitely. And to me, the most important thing is to get down what I need to get down 
And then if it's something that's readable to the public that people like, then I thought about publishing and mm-hmm. things like that. But more important than anything else is that I needed to express myself via this particular vehicle. And unfortunately, if we're stuck in form, sometimes it doesn't flow the same. Yeah. Correct. So one of the things that I express to some of my friends is like, it feels almost like an out-of-body experience Mm -hmm. because you're feeling all these things and you put them in paper. And when you reread it, it's like, oh, wow, that's something that I wrote. And it came from the heart and it was pure and it, it can't have form because if not, it wouldn't have been natural to you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like form is something that we can do later on mm-hmm. in the editing process if we really wanted to do form. And sometimes it will come in its own form. For my own poem, at least, I know that there tend to be much more rhythmic than rhyming. Mm-hmm. Now I think I practice enough that I feel comfortable stopping in the middle of my writing and say, I'm going to look up a word. Yeah. A lot of time I'm just like, I'm going to write straight through and then go to a thesaurus or something. When you're talking about in a trance, I feel like a number of the poets that I've interviewed has a similar thing. It's almost like channeling, right? Yes. And unfortunately, it has happened to me that I don't stop what I'm doing when I have a thought about a poem. Mm -hmm. And then I cannot go back into it for the life of me because the idea doesn't flow the same. So unless I stop what I'm doing and just at least put the idea somewhere, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't come back. That's why I'm saying that it's almost like an out-of-body experience because if it was more of a logic process, Mm -hmm. then I would be able to just write down a brainstorm of words and just write anything. But that's not at least my process. I know everybody has their own process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very different for everybody or just a little bit different for everybody. I find that I can now go back. And so I let myself go back to sleep these days. (laughs) (laughs) One poem, it took me like three years to complete. So I had written a lot of it, Mm -hmm. and then I felt that it wasn't enough where I stopped. Mm -hmm. So I literally emailed myself the poem with the subject line, finish it, (laughs) and I finished it last year. Wow. So it took me about three years to put the ending to this poem together. I think it's the only one that I have a story like that for it, that I stopped and then retook it. Well, not just a week later, but a lot later. And it flowed really well, though. That's cool. So that was good. But I don't know what would have happened (laughs) if I stop all the time. Yeah, yeah. I feel like as the years go by, our process also changes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very different. And also what we encounter in our lives would change. Definitely. Because I remember recently you read a poem that was in reaction to Notre Dame burning down. Mm -hmm. So that was a very quick turnaround. That was basically a few days. Definitely. So there's things that are inspired by the randomest things. Like, for example, I drowned my phone. And then I I literally put my phone in a cup of water by mistake because I put it in the cup holder when I'm driving. And that day I had a cup of water, which I typically don't do. So I had a conversation with a friend about a recent breakup Mm. and I wrote a poem about being broken. Mm. And I used metaphors about the phone breaking down to write the poem. So I take inspiration from everywhere and sometimes the process is a little longer but as you mentioned sometimes something gets us to the core that it's happening 
in this world and we immediately feel inspired yeah. to put it into words of how we're feeling about it. Yeah, yeah, and different emotions pulls at you oh, in different yes. ways, right? And just going back to what you're talking about, being inspired to write in Puerto Rico when you were in high school. For my own curiosity, I wanted to know English is one of the official languages, right? Is it taught? Yeah, so it is taught not everywhere. Okay. Fortunately enough, my parents put me in a bilingual school, okay. Okay. so I was able to learn English from a young age. Right. But when I was writing in Puerto Rico, it was definitely in Spanish. Okay. And my mom was a huge fan of Julia de Burgos, which okay. is a very known poet okay. back home. So for us going on road trips, we love to hear my mom recite Julia de Burgos' poetry. Okay. So there's always been that artistic vein in right. the family right. running through right. us. Eventually, when I came out in high school to not only the Spanish courses, but also English classes, we were being asked to like compare yourself to an animal mm-hmm. or maybe something else in this world and write how you would be. And I remember vividly writing this poem that is, if I was an oak tree mm-hmm. and providing shelter for, right. for others and providing oxygen and all these things. Uh-huh. And that was the first moment that I went outside the form, as we call right, it, the right, format. Right. And English is just more universal, I feel. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I don't write in Spanish, because I do. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that a lot of countries speak English. So I feel yeah. it's definitely a language that if I write in, it's easier for others to read the poetry. Yeah. But actually, Spanish is the second most spoken language Almost in the world. definitely, yes. Yeah, so you probably can reach more people, though maybe not in the immediate setting. Correct. So I'm plotting on putting my poetry together in a book, Uh hopefully before the end of the year, and it will have both. Unfortunately, sometimes things are lost in translation because they have cultural connotations to what we're saying. Uh So even if my poem was in Spanish, you wouldn't see it translate it because it will make no sense right so i would rather keep it the ones that are in spanish in spanish and the ones that are in english in english and Mm -hmm. give uh, people all of me because i'm both you know yeah yeah i feel like translations is very tricky right because sometimes poets will change a word use their Mm -hmm. own word make up a word that's like has a root word that's a real word but then add something to it so it makes it even more difficult to translate yes I actually write in French and I just wrote my first Spanish poem I nice <laughs> can't wait to read it <laughs> yeah and I did translate it but I did lose something the reason why I wrote it in Spanish was because a line came to me it's usually my process nice. anyway yeah but this line came to me because I wanted to play with a particular word or cognate. The first line is almost like a conjugation of, of a verb. So even though I was able to translate the meaning, and it's still its own poem in yes. English, but it's a separate poem. Correct. Like there's a Spanish phrase that I use in the poem that we're going to discuss today mm-hmm. that you cannot, I mean, you can translate it because right. literally it you can translate sense. it, but it makes no sense. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's not only words, but it carries culture yeah. with the phrase. Yeah. And it carries years of it being this little phrases advice. Yeah. from your parents and grandparents so it has a weight in it yeah. that there's no way of putting it in another language or another context because it makes zero sense yeah <laughs> yeah exactly 
And so the poem that you brought is a prose poem, right? It's, mm-hmm. I really loved it because even though in form, it's in paragraph form, but there's still a really nice rhythm to it. So yes. would you like to read that? Sure. Us? I'm going to read it. A part of my voice that I've been a little sick. Okay, Here is my poem. I typically don't name them, mm-hmm. but there's definitely a topic. And as you mentioned, Black Enough is the topic mm-hmm. inside the poem. Mm-hmm. So it says, the first time I heard I was not black enough, I was sitting across the table from a biracial black sister, letting me know how she did not know how she felt about Puerto Ricans using the N-word. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I could taste the hypocrisy during dinner, bitter, like the mouths full of blood from the slaves who arrived at the coast of San Juan. The most recent time I heard I was not black enough, it was by a group of sisters who had hired me to be assistant choreographer for African dance. As my moves full of bomba y plena, rhythms of the motherland filled my hips. They knew I can get the job done, but not well enough to not call me a bigot when I disagree with them on a topic. When I hear I'm not black enough, it takes me to every conversation back in the island where a simple, y tu abuela donde esta, will stop you cold from daring to say you're not black. Ancestors painted the color of her skin with multiple shades of ebony as they intertwine romantically in the time of survival, of rape, of colonialism, of fight for your life. The same sons and daughters of Africa that were dragged to America to be called African-Americans were delivered to multiple cities to lose their shade, their blackness, as they found history marking them different. I wonder if you called Bob Marley not black enough, would he crawl on his grave? A freedom fighter, civil rights lyricist, son of a German soldier, would his dreads unravel and his skin look different if you found out who his father is instead of his grandma? Where is she at? Next time you feel the need to deliver us from race due to your perceptions of blackness, just keep in mind one thing, that gene pool runs deep and I know how to swim through my history book, traces back many miles to a place called home. My heart beats like a drum. My bare feet dance to Nigerian dance hall. My hair curls as onyx blood runs through my veins. Remember, y tu abuela, ¿dónde está? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> While you're reading it, I realized there's that other term, bomba in plena, that's basically not really translatable. Correct. <laughs> so it's a style of music mm-hmm. that is definitely African rooted, mm-hmm. and we dance it in the island. And there's literally, bomba means bomb, mm-hmm. if I literally translate it, right, right. and plena doesn't even exist in the English language. Right, right. So it would be really hard to explain to someone if I switched it. It's just the name of the dance. Yeah. So it's like saying dance hall. We don't have a word in Spanish for dance hall mm-hmm. because that's the style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, yeah. And did you want to explain a little bit? I mean, I feel like it comes through, but just explain the phrase, y tu abuela donde está? Most definitely. So that was the phrase that I was mentioning that it, when we translate it, it literally means, where's your grandma at? Uh-huh, uh-huh. But what that means in Puerto Rico is because we come from an island that we had natives before mm-hmm. anybody came in, right. just like you had your Native Americans here right. in the United States. And then the Spanish colonizers came in Mm -hmm. with African slaves. Mm -hmm. So we're a mix of multiple things, but there's definitely a root of black in us as well. Mm -hmm. So if someone dares to say, because unfortunately the reality is in colonized areas, 
what was seen as the supreme right. form. Right. Therefore, some people feel because their skin is lighter, their hair is less curly, their eyes are lighter, mm-hmm. they're better. Mm-hmm. So the phrase, ¿Y tu abuela dónde está? Or where's your grandma? Mm-hmm. Uh, means in your gene pool, there's mm-hmm. black in you. Mm-hmm. So recognize that yeah. we all come from the same mix. Right, and right. we're no better than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where that phrase is coming from. It's a good reminder. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even though when you explain it, you explain it from the perspective of somebody who can pass. For white. Mm-hmm. But your poem is more from the other perspective when you're being judged for not being black enough just on your skin color, which is yeah. very interesting, right? This dynamic, but it's on the same axes. Mm-hmm. Is this like black and white, black and white? What is considered good enough for which is determined by which group is saying that? Exactly. And colorism, unfortunately, is definitely still alive today. Oh my God. Where the color of our skin and talking about who we are and which box do we fit in and yeah. it's creating such a tear apart in communities. Mm-hmm. The reason I mentioned Bob Marley is because to me it's very interesting how he was son to a black lady mm-hmm. and a German soldier who couldn't be whiter. Than which <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even yeah, know. so I'm super fan of Bob Marley and I know this sounds kind of ridiculous sometimes to say, but the reality is if he didn't look the way he looked, Mm -hmm. if you had a white guy with blonde dreadlocks Mm -hmm. singing redemption songs, Mm -hmm. would we take him as such a powerful lyricist if he didn't look black with dreads, etc., even though he's a mixed child? Yeah. So we have these ideas. We talk about cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. We talk about all these things. But it's based on how someone looks. You yes. don't even know where they're coming from. Yes, exactly. It's very skin deep. It's not even features. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sometimes I know very dark skinned African Americans who have light eyes, which means that there is some mixing somewhere. Exactly. And also, <laughs> even if you know somebody who has dark eyes, like Obama, mm-hmm. for instance, people keep talking about him as the first African American president. But they never talk about the fact that he was Correct. half white. And, and it's based on his skin color, his yeah. hair, features, etc. Yeah. It has nothing to do with him culturally, how he was raised, where is he from, yeah. who are his parents, who are his grandparents. His genes, so, anything exactly. like that. So it's very troubling how we define things, you know, just by sight, by sound. Mm-hmm. And very superficial things that were very important a millennia ago when we needed to, I guess, identify the other tribe from far away so mm-hmm. we can, you know, do our defense. But, you know, we're not in that system anymore. And I feel like our human psyche has not evolved to the point Correct. where we're recognizing we're living in a very different environment and we're not as segregated. And we're, I mean, we always travel. We mm-hmm. always travel. Human migration is basically since the beginning of our existence. Yeah. Now we can do it so much faster, and the mingling is so much more apparent. Definitely. Um, yeah. We can go anywhere. We can mix with anybody. And that's the thing. I would rather know someone's history mm-hmm. before determining who they are because we're multi-layered yeah. as humans. Yeah. So if I'm only basing who you are on the color of your skin, your features, your hair, these things, I'm just not 
doing you justice yeah, at all. Yeah, and you're basically insulting that person by saying, I don't really care who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put whatever I think of you over the person. Correct. Whereas where stereotypes come in, and we've seen how that's taken such a negative toll in this society, oh, yeah. especially in the black community, mm-hmm. talking about being black enough, because for someone may look at me as a lighter person, mm-hmm. but when it comes to stereotypes, I'm still considered more towards the black side. Yeah. So I still have to be that person who's conscious about an interaction with a police officer. Yeah. Or even if I'm speaking Spanish, because we have so many stereotypes with the Hispanic community. Yeah. So it's such a mess what we've done <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with stereotypes. And it's 2019 and we're still doing it and to a magnitude of a level. So if it had evolved to where it's still present, but it's not crazy out there, but it is so present and so big. Well, I think one of the problems is that we never really tackled it on a very conscious level. We never had multiple, let's say, community meetings where we're talking about these things, where people just come into a circle, let's say, a circle of multicultural people, and you say, well, I've had this experience. Not necessarily pointing fingers to bash them, just to say, I've had this experience. And everybody understand, oh, everybody could have this experience. There's a fine line, right, between privilege. Mm-hmm. Privilege comes in many forms and you as a lighter skin person will have certain privileges that a darker person doesn't Correct. have. But as you said, you as a Latina will have certain things that you cannot get away with with somebody who's culturally even another Latina actually who's mm-hmm. taught differently who's from a different part of Puerto Rico even. Let's yeah. say. And, and could have a very different experience. I know Blonde, blue eye, Latina. Almost definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And and I always felt like Latin America is one of the most mixed cultures. Yeah. And that surprises people too. So if they see someone who's very light, they question where they're from. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. But where are you from? Yeah. Or even if they're very dark, we come in every shade. Yeah. (laughs) Like every single shade. So that happens a lot. Yeah, and I remember there was a study on Brazil's ethnicity or racial uh, makeup, and there was like 21 self-categorizations. Mm-hmm. Like people who were taking the survey were saying, oh, I belong to this, and they were talking about all the different mixes, from white as white to the black as exactly. black. So it's always really interesting to encounter that, and, and colorization is just so stupid. Yeah. At the end of the day, because it's just like, oh, yeah, I can deal with the sun better than you can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have. A- <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, it causes kind of like a break if I say I'm not black, I'm mixed. Mm-hmm. Because then what the backlash has been from the black community is oh, then you, you're not proud to be black. And it's not that. I'm not negating. Right. But if I identify as black, I delete 
the rest of my heritage. Right, right. Or if I identify as white, I delete the rest of my heritage. Right. So the reality is there is such a thing as being mixed race. Yeah. And especially if you were raised in a multicultural environment, yeah. it's yeah. not even only that genetically you're mixed, mm-hmm. is that literally who you are as a person mm-hmm. is taken from all of these other little components. Right. And saying you're one thing or the other really doesn't encompass who you really are. Yeah. And we have to think of this in general, as people in general, even if you come across a European-American, he or she could be very mixed in terms of both just different varieties of European countries, Mm -hmm. right? But also somebody who's had several generations in the U.S. or in North and South America could have indigenous roots, black yeah, African roots. I know this woman who looks like she's Eastern European, but still has a reddish tint in her hair. But her father's is indigenous, mm-hmm. so, so we're not doing ourselves any favors by just saying, "Okay, look at that skin." You can pass and just assuming exactly. everything else is fine about just this person. Of color. Correct. Yeah, or that everything is not fine because of the darkness of their color. But it's such a nuanced problem. Like I said from the beginning, it's, it runs on the same axes, mm-hmm. black and white axes, and that we can't seem to get away with. And unfortunately, what it's doing, because when I was reading your poem, it's dividing us. So instead of causing yeah. a connection mm-hmm. to get together and fight against a systematic oppression, we're fighting each other. Yeah. And just dividing each other based on race, color of skin, language, socioeconomic class, this and the other, versus coming together to fix things on a bigger spectrum. Yeah, yeah, because systems is basically just multiple or majority of people Mm -hmm. reinforcing certain ideas. But I feel like the systems that we have are more something that we inherited from the 50s and 60s. They're going away very slowly because some people are advantaged by that system. Definitely. And so they have no reason to want to change it. At the same time, it is going away a bit as new generations come. But with the political environment that we're in now, I feel like that's retarding that. Definitely. For it to be 2019, it's such a slow progress. Yeah. I feel like we should have been ages ahead of where we're at with how many advances we've done technology-wise, as you mentioned, traveling-wise, so we are able to experience other cultures, even if we don't travel, because we have access, even in our phones, to check out videos of other places, how culturally they develop themselves in their communities, how they dress, the music they're listening to, and yet we're in these little bubbles that we can't seem to break through from. Yeah, yeah. Well, part of it is our own limited capacity, our brain's limitation on how much information we can process. In conjunction to the talk about refugees, is that people don't leave where they're comfortable. Definitely. Unless they have to. We're not talking about vacation here. Correct. We're talking about... Leaving everything you have behind and walking with your two-year-old in your back for miles to be able to get somewhere else. Or being like eight months pregnant, Mm -hmm. you know, and and having to trudge through 
desert environments. This is not vacation. Yeah, but we get stuck in our realities. Yeah. So even if we have the capacity to process all this information, I think there's a huge difference between being sympathetic mm-hmm. and kind of being like, oh, poor you, and being empathetic mm-hmm. and understanding what it's like to be in that position. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of sympathy around when it mm-hmm. comes to that, but people are not empaths. So yeah. they cannot fathom why this person did this, and then it's looked from that position of privilege, as you mentioned. Yeah. So no, then I don't want you here. Right. Like, why are you here? Yeah, there's this assigned intention to somebody Mm -hmm. who may not have that intention. I don't think it's wrong to say there are certain people who come here, especially have children here, to gain a better life for their children. Yes. There are those people, but that is in the minority. And I don't mean minority as in skin color minority. (laughs) I know a French woman who's been living undocumented. Nobody's going to deport her. Not at all because (laughs) of the way she looks. Yeah. So that's the other thing that I remember back in the day when SB 1070 passed here in Arizona. Which is... And so the law re- required to for you to be stopped and you can be legally searched for documents so that if you did not have your documents, you would get deported. And I was dating an illegal immigrant back then from mm-hmm. Guatemala. And to me, it was a joke because all I could think of is if I look like me, that's an issue. But if you're blonde, white, with light eyes, even if you were an illegal immigrant, no one's stopping you. Or if you look like an African-American, no one would stop you. Or even an Asian person, they wouldn't stop you. It was very triggered yeah. to the Latinx community. It's very triggered by this particular political environment that's been happening. It didn't just happen now, but it's been happening more and more. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem, as we talked about, it's both what the U.S. is doing politically on a foreign policy level, you know, being so involved in other people's business. Yes. Like, you know, the contrast, for instance. <laughs> but there are so many different things that we have done that's coming back to roost. And we, instead of saying, oh, yeah, you are here now because we did something wrong, we messed with your country, instead of admitting to that, we're saying, well, we don't care. And one of the things that's a huge issue that I talked about with Anna Flores in her episode a mm-hmm. few months back was... Also, the U.S. is one of the largest uh, carbon emitters per capita, per person, for a large country. And that is causing so much trouble for other countries, especially subsistence farmers, that they have no choice but to leave their small lives that they're eking out of living kind of lives. They have to leave that in order to go to bigger cities to make a living yes make a living or even keep going north because of what we're doing Mm -hmm. on a daily basis in our consumptive habits and that's another thing on top of the political messing around with other people's national policies so we need to recognize that and we first of all we need to stop what we're doing because we're not doing ourselves anything (laughs) not at all (laughs) but we also have to realize that a lot of the people are forced to seek asylum because of what we have exactly and we have to admit to that and we have to say okay I'm, i'm sorry let's help you Let's all work together. How can we help you whether or not we are giving more aid to countries who 
can deal with those problems on the ground or when people survive going through a desert, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and not, we're not talking about a 26-mile marathon. We're talking about... Like, days and days yeah. of a commute to yeah. go somewhere else. More strenuous than Iron Man. Yeah, <laughs> you it's know, We horrible. have to think in those ways. But that's the thing because I feel we still have this idea of, oh, that's their issue. Or if something happens in a Muslim mosque, we're like, oh, that's their problem. Or if something happens in a Jewish place. So we unfortunately need to get to be a little bit more human about things and understand that we're human first and all these other categories come second so that we can fix things. Because I remember when the shooting happened in the New Zealand mosque Mm -hmm. and to me it was horrible because Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was looking at. I saw it on Instagram and the guy was recording the thing live so when I figured out what I was watching, it's horrible because I don't care if you're a Muslim. I don't care what color you are. For a human being to think they can do such a thing in such a sacred space, it's horrible. It and I saw very little people talking about it, which is another reason I wrote the poem about the burning of Notre Dame Cathedral because it was everywhere and yet there's so many other things happening in minority communities that we don't talk about because that's not my problem those are not my people right at the same period of time Notre Dame was burning down that got millions millions of donations pretty much within the 24-hour period Mm -hmm. there were three churches in in, I forget that was the Carolinas yeah in the black communities yeah. yeah three churches that have been burned down that really didn't get much attention that if it wasn't for the kind-heartedness of some journalists who decided to put a spotlight on that they would have never raised enough money to rebuild those and ironically that's here within the u.s Mm -hmm. i mean which is weird right because when we're talking about the immigration quote-unquote problem we're talking about oh us versus them whereas when we're talking about notre dame burning down it's like forget about us Let's go donate to Notre Dame. You know, oh, culture, culture. Which is another (laughs) funny thing about the stereotypes being put on immigrants coming out here because they're like, oh, they're coming with the intention of selling drugs or they're coming with the intentions of doing X, Y, and Z. And it's all negative things. But if we look at our inside issues in the U.S., we're no saints. No. At at all. Not even close. So... We also cannot be pointing fingers where every community has their good people and their bad people. And we cannot judge masses of people based on the few rotten apples in that community. Yeah, exactly. And usually those few rotten apples have incredibly good infrastructure Mm -hmm. to lean on. Whereas people who are refugees who are seeking asylum, they're the ones they basically have to take whatever's on their back and come. And leave. And and hopefully survive crossing a desert. I I can't emphasize that enough because it's now, what, illegal to put water out in the desert? Yep, it is. I mean, we're basically... But it's illegal even for me to sit outside here and put a table with sandwiches, bottles of water, and fruit because I'm not supposed to feed the homeless. I will be taken 
in if I did such a thing. Yeah, our logic (laughs) surrounding issues for us locally and globally is just a joke. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense and it's not consistent as, you know, what I was talking about with the black churches and, and Notre Dame and, and the immigration. It mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. People are being selectively judged, selectively yeah. just ignoring certain plights. I call it the moral roller coaster. Like, <laughs> it goes up and down and around depending if it affects you or not. Like, yeah. It's not consistent. It's not about human life. It's about what people decide that's important to them. And then they decide if they see it as wrong or right. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like part of it is our educational system that we don't represent all the diversity that we have in this country. The contributions of non-European cultures Mm -hmm. to the U.S. as a culture today we're not recognizing that as much. So that somewhere that's so far away, crossing the Atlantic Ocean to France, we feel more kinship toward Notre Dame than 100-year-old black churches that mm-hmm. have plenty of culture. <laughs> but the education system hasn't evolved that much either. Yeah. So we talked about evolving the way that we think about race and culture and all these other components. But that's another thing that it's been years regarding education. And we're still treating kids the same way when now they have information at the tip of their fingers with their phones so we should be having more classes that talk about other cultures or the issues that we have in the country and how to do that and community work and Mm -hmm. how to come together not only prepping you for your career or how to do math without your calculator but actual things that would change the way we do things in a better way yeah or even before teaching advanced math to have a math history knowing where zero that particular figure comes from that allows advanced math Mm -hmm. math to to advance you know we're talking about both indian and also persian cultures Mm -hmm. that the middle east is integral to our ability to do advanced so mathematics. So many things. Oh, yeah. And no one talks about it. No one talks about it. In fact, recently there was a poll. It will drive you insane. A majority of people have decided that it is not good to be teaching Arabic numerals in the class. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this, is, this is just... I, I, it's an embarrassment for oh, us yeah. that we don't know what Arabic numerals are. It looks are. very ignorant from our part, <laughs> but the reality is unless we evolve how we teach, nothing's going to change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's ridiculous. I think it's these persistent, persistent prejudices. Most definitely. That that I talk about uh, in in my particular poem, and also it's that sort of axes between black and white mm-hmm. that made me think of my poem that I'm going to read now. Yes. It's called Together. In a world of black and white, there's no room for the spectrum of colors existing in between. The doorway narrows, and I feel shut out. I see progress by the slimmest of margins. People still do what they're told, instead of realizing that this is not a pick-your-favor-minority game, that we're not here to fit into your token slots, 
that you don't get to weigh us by our suffering in your hands while ignorant of their extent, and we'll stop weighing each other or competing with one another as if winning a spot to narrowly squeeze through the nearly shut doors in your mind is our destiny in life. No. Fitting through that sliver that centuries of combating injustice have finally pried open while the spring of prejudice creaks to push it shut again is not our destiny. Together, we'll blow those doors off of their hinges. Together, we will shine sunlight on all the corners of our minds. Together, we will forge the bonds toward true equality. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. And that's the thing. We have to come together. Yeah. Because if we're just dividing ourselves by any means of whatever division you want to select, whether it's cultural, race, color, etc., we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep having the same issues, and it's going to be 20 years from now. And again, that progress would have looked like snail mail when we can send an email. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like there are so many imminent issues like climate change that threatening our existence, our literal existence. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't care what color we are. Though, unfortunately, even climate change tends to affect poor and minority community more because of their just, living situation. Yeah, the economic yeah. social situation that's been set up over decades. Um, but still, ultimately, doesn't care about our color so we need to come together we need to kind of just stop really it's a pigment for god's sakes in mm-hmm. our skin it's just different ways of our ancestors acclimating themselves to wherever they were living we need to stop worrying about those little things because our species survival really depends on us coming together most definitely because i don't want someone to not feel like But I am proud of my skin color. That's great. We're not saying that. We're just saying we need to dig deeper. Yeah. We need to definitely come together as humans Mm -hmm. before any other checkbox in a status quo of of lists. Right, right, right. Exactly. And we need to think about the future more because... The future is becoming the past very quickly. And I'm not sure how much future we have left. I I know I sound dire, but... (laughs) But it's happening. The reality is, in Puerto Rico, when Maria hit a couple of years ago, and as you mentioned, unfortunately, the poor section of the island is the one that suffers the most Mm -hmm. because their houses are made out of wood versus cement because they live in areas where a river runs through it Mm -hmm. if it rains too much. So it didn't care who you were, where you lived, or if you could survive. That hurricane came and went. So unless we get together to fix bigger picture issues, Mm -hmm. eventually will we even have a world to live in at the fast pace that we're deteriorating Mother Earth? Yeah, exactly. We we need to realize the skin color. It's really such a tiny thing that we're still hanging our nails on. I don't know why. It's just mm-hmm. like... We have bigger issues. Yeah, we have... Most so definitely have bigger issues so and we need to concentrate issues. on those yeah. and come together, as your yeah. poem says. Yeah, because 
it, it really doesn't do anyone any good. I mean, Germany was completely destroyed. I'm sure the Third Reich, when it happened, they all thought, oh, we're going to win this thing, no Definitely, problem. Definitely, and but, did not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so much. I don't know any city in Germany that has not been rebuilt because it was completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. And when the soldiers came in, Allied soldiers those women suffered as well, the German women. So yes. The attrition of war is incredibly atrocious and blind. You will get hurt in some way or another. It doesn't matter if you ultimately win. You don't know that you are the person who's going to survive it. Mm-hmm. So people have to realize that and just be like... Hate definitely doesn't get us anywhere. No. Whether it's locally, whether it's on a one-on-one relationship, whether mm-hmm. we're looking at our neighborhood our community, our city, our state, and then bigger picture, bigger picture, bigger picture. But hate is getting us nowhere. Nowhere. So we definitely need to do better to come together. Yeah. And you can have personal differences between one Mm -hmm. person and another. You can have group differences. Absolutely. But if we come together and talk about it, you might find that even though you are from a completely different culture than the uh, the other person that you're speaking with, you might share a lot in common. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen those commercials that they're on YouTube where they grab a bunch of people and then they ask them, like, do you like this type of music? Like, little questions. Mm-hmm. And when they look at each other in a group, they have more things in common than they would have thought so yeah. at the beginning of getting into that space together. Yeah. Because sometimes yeah. we do that. We come into a space with strangers and we gravitate towards our own or whoever looks like us or sounds like us or dressed like us. But you really don't know until you shed all of those stereotypes mm-hmm. how close you can be. And even if we don't think alike, as long as there's respect and boundaries, we can definitely learn how to be okay with yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. We need to build this from the ground up and mm-hmm. just be respectful of each other and try to understand each other. And that you don't see eye to eye on every issue, so what? That's never going to be the case. Even with our family members, even with our significant others, even with people who we think are like us, there's always some things we're going to disagree on. And that should not be a deal breaker to hate each other and to bump heads. Exactly. I mean, like, you will disagree with your conjoined twin, okay? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're just not going to always come to... Definitely. So, you know, don't let the skin color facial structure throw you because mm-hmm. you know it's, it's amazing there's there's a sort of a joke i think it's a video but i, I saw it a couple of years ago where they're talking about how the taliban and the white supremacists they believe in very similar things mm-hmm. and they should actually get together rather than hating Honestly, both groups has this entrenched misogyny going mm-hmm. on. Both believe in a book being the basis of everything. Every they decision, do. everything yeah. they do. Yeah, so there's a lot of commonalities, y'all. You know, <laughs> they get together. Which is funny, but if you ask them, they would think they're so different from each other. Yeah, yep. yeah, right. Maybe one is saying ABC and the other ones are saying XYZ, but you're still on the same alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really interesting.
interesting when these things happen and people are just like, no, we disagree. It's okay. And I've noticed that lately, whether in social media or in real life, like face to face with people, that disagreements have shut down communication. Right. Like people cannot disagree and be civilized and just talk the issue through and just agree to disagree sometimes because we may not be able to think the same way but it has literally become a place of hate of Mm -hmm. if you don't think like I do then I want to shut you out I don't want to talk to you I don't want to deal with you and that's not going to take us anywhere it makes such a lonely place doesn't definitely oh yeah as we just said we're not going to find a people that are going to agree with us 100%. And we just have to take a step back and be like, is this the hill that I want to die on? Yeah. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) You also wonder how much of that is paid trolling, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Which happens a lot. Yeah, definitely. There are definitely people who have moving goalposts. They Mm -hmm. have their agenda and they're trying to advance that agenda. But you have to wonder because there are always at least two parties in an argument. And if you don't feel like you're that kind of person, if you're not being a paid troll, why get into such an argument? Just graciously bow out oh no you might seem like you're losing an argument on social media it's oh okay. my god who cares no right? puppies will drown <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly no one's gonna get hurt in fact use that time to go save our puppies exactly <laughs> you know? i love it as you said before we have so much information at our fingertips there's so much that we can be learned to expand our mm-hmm. mind. Why are we spending all this time with somebody who might have a hidden agenda on social media Definitely. that you've met for two seconds? Time and energy, and then even after you got off being online, you're discussing it in your head. You're telling people the fight you had, and we could be using that time to do more, even if it's little things to make this world a better place. Right, right. You can definitely try to get into a discussion with someone, Mm -hmm. spend enough time that you know what they are trying to get at, and if it comes to this dead end, you just say, Walk away. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, Oh, look, I have a real life. Yeah. <laughs> Turn around with your real life. Go out, meet other people, go to other forums. Mm-hmm. You might find people who will agree with you. And Yeah, we could definitely be investing our time better. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, going back to what you were saying before, you know, it's like this uneven advancement where the blob, part of us, yes, going <laughs> way ahead, right? Trying to go to Mars and all that to escape. The mess. Yeah, the mess on Earth. But then we are basically a third world country parts of the U.S. I've seen parts of the country that, that are so neglected, so run yeah. down, food deserts, even though we are one of the richest countries in the world. I, I just feel like it's such a shame that we don't look within ourselves and say how can we better our citizens without hurting other citizens Mm -hmm. and it's not because people are coming to take our jobs those are jobs people here don't want exactly yeah okay so how can we help ourselves and not hurt others i don't think one negates the other and i feel there's definitely ways but as you mentioned before the system sort of set a certain way because 
it benefits yeah. a certain group of people. Yeah. So unless we dismantle that, mm-hmm. which is not going to happen if we're pulling each other apart based on all of these silly things, yeah. it's going to happen if we join forces. Yeah. So we need to dismantle all ideas and then start from scratch, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And really just think about all these ethics. When you were talking about this, again, the unevenness of advancement, technology advancing so much, meanwhile, like mm-hmm. just within our own country of people over their skin color or whatever assumptions people may have about them. It made me think of the poem, Whitey's on the Moon. This is, what, in the 60s? Mm-hmm. And I'm basically we're talking about the same thing. Years later? Uh, 50, 60 years later, uh, it's still this technology advances, but we as human beings, our ethics, our morality are not really advancing too Mm -hmm. much. We're still in almost like cavemen. We're stuck. Yeah. Sort of cavemen reaction to people of different circumstances. And then I feel the other problem is that just like with any group of advancements, some people catch up real quick. Mm -hmm. And some people, it takes forever. So I feel those people who are a little bit more advanced in that evolution, then get frustrated with those who are not. Then there's the bumping of the heads. Then there's the hate, et cetera. When that ignorance can be combated by just being a little bit more patient, I feel, when it comes to the issues that we're having. Yeah, and also just having a basic understanding of why that issue is, because Mm -hmm. we're not just talking about inner-city neighborhoods, we're talking about the Appalachians, we're talking about people of a spectrum of colors who do not have the infrastructure, do not have the educational system to allow their talents within their community to flourish. Mm-hmm. We are losing out so much on talent just because of these social economic prejudices. Yes. Because we th- we think, oh, just because they have had generations of poverty that affects brain development, affects social integration, all of these things. So if we don't address that, we, we just say, oh, it's because of their skin color or because they're poor that they're so... And it comes with a historical yeah. situation that got them there. Yeah. It's not just a decision yeah. of I'm going to go sell drugs yeah. because of where I live and the color yeah. of my skin. Yeah. No, it's a generational situation due to history yeah exactly and again it's a spectrum of colors of people who are suffering from this when we're talking about Appalachian mountains we're talking about coal miners many of whom are white and they tend to be scottish irish mm-hmm. and it's not because they're inherently any less than it's that we haven't spent the money and time to invest in these people and there are now some more investments mm-hmm. but I, I like to see more even investments instead of just saying oh my tax dollar from my neighborhood because we're rich we can invest in this and that's all where the money goes we need to put some of that aside and go to the areas that haven't had the infrastructure to be able to bring in more tax dollars to invest in the future and I don't think it's wrong to move around money like that it's not communism and not at all would say it. i mean if we can move money to fix a cathedral in another country yeah we can definitely invest in our people yeah exactly and this is just benefiting our future mm-hmm. our future because there are some geniuses out there who can't access the education system i remember 
remember when I was living in this really rundown neighborhood in New Jersey, this guy would come out every day, put up a cardboard sign that says, I will wash your car. Nice. Okay? <laughs> That's entrepreneurship. Yeah. At its core. Mm-hmm. It's that, that tenacity to sit there every day, no matter the weather, and say, I will wash your car, and I would, I would use my hands and body, my sweat and tears, and I will earn my money, even if I have no other way of Mm-hmm. No systematic way of finding a job. And I feel most people just need an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I feel we talk about certain communities being lazy and labeling them so many things. But as you mentioned, they just don't have the resources yeah. at their disposal to get out of the situation that they're in. Yeah. So we can't judge them based on just that. Yeah. Because most people, if given the opportunity, they will be in a different place. Yeah, I, I think that's very true. And I think a lot of us, some of the just prejudices come from the fact, as you said before, is that we live from our experience. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize if we come from like a little suburban neighborhood with a pretty cul-de-sac and green line lawns uh, and no potholes on our streets we can't imagine that in another corner of this this country that the big cracks holes in the the pavement abandoned buildings open lots (laughs) that you can hide yourself in the tall grass you know these things people don't think are happening they think it's from another country. No, it's here in the U.S. And it's not just in neighborhoods you think or in the communities you think are coming to because you think they're lazy. Yeah. It's, it's because of years of neglect of urban planning that purposefully sometimes... Keeps them like that. Yeah, like redlining. Yeah. My example. mom used to be a lawyer to juvenile groups, and she... To this day, remembers this kid who used to sell drugs or call for cops if they were coming. And when she tried to ask him, like, why he had his dad was nowhere to be found. His mom couldn't work. He had multiple siblings. So at least one of them needed to make some money and no one was going to pay him what he needed to earn to send the rest of his siblings to school. Right. So we think about it as the negative because of how he's earning his money, but unless he did what he had to do, he wouldn't be able to feed his family, send his siblings to school. And now instead of just one kid running the streets, we would have five kids in the house running the streets because they didn't have a future. So unfortunately, sometimes there's a reasoning behind these situations that communities are in. Yeah, yeah, because there is no industry. Mm -hmm. Absolutely no infrastructure, as I said, that neighborhood that I was talking about. There's absolutely no infrastructure. Some people get lucky. I mean, the buses wouldn't even come on time. I mean, how are you supposed to get to a job if the bus doesn't come on time? It's like half an hour a bus and then one skips. Exactly. Or if you did find that job, then that means you would be fired because you're always late. Yeah, exactly. And how are people supposed to combat that if there's no infrastructure in place? The thing is, we need to stop saying, oh, it's because they're lazy. No, it's because there's a lot of hurdles. If you just Mm -hmm. talk with people 
and find out, sure, there are lazy people in every community. But it's harder to get to where you need to be when you're put through hoops lit on yeah. fire yeah. rather than just getting in a car in the morning and driving slowly to where you need to go. Yeah, yeah. That makes a huge difference. Yeah, the amount of demand we put on people who live in infrastructure poor mm-hmm. neighborhoods, communities, for them to just get on the same footing as middle-class Americans, yeah. for instance. It's, it's hard. insane. You have to be this, like, excellent, super, super human being to be able to just get on the same footing. And that is something that we all need to realize. It's so hard. And if you don't have the quality of life you need and mm-hmm. your basics cover mm-hmm. to feel energized at the beginning of your day to go get out of the situation that you're in, you're never going to get there. So a lot of their situations doesn't even allow for that first step to get to where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so sad. Again, there's just so much talent that Mm -hmm. we're missing out on. So many people could probably come up with amazing, ingenious solutions to our social problems that we're just letting fall through the cracks yeah just giving the opportunity yeah but that's why as a community we need to do better yeah like stop with the little pettiness about division and just find the common ground to work on this yeah we do we do yeah yeah so there you go we solved we We solved solved our problems (laughs) (laughs) we're taking over the world (laughs) include more women Imogen and Pamela 2020 (laughs) (laughs) we're coming for you Awesome. So in conclusion, would you mind letting us know where we can see you read? You can find me at Palabras Bilingual Bookstore. And I love it because it's an independent shop and by this rad girl, Chawa, who runs it. So definitely come see us once a month. She has an event called Pocket to Me. Once a month, you could definitely find me there reading some poetry and a lot of other talented people because it's an open mic. So not only poetry but definitely musicians, comic release, all sorts of goodies for you to spend a really cool evening with uh, some artists. So definitely come through. Third Saturday of each month. There you go. Yeah. And Chawa, whose full name is Rosaura (laughs) Magaña, I had the pleasure of interviewing her. The episode came out at the end of April. And so you should definitely check out her poem and she's going to be reading she's writing more and reading more I'm very excited. which is really exciting yeah. because she was definitely putting these events together for us mm-hmm. and we know she was a writer yeah so it's really good to see her also coming out there with yeah. her voice in the poetry community so Absolutely. it's so good yeah yeah I can't wait so and on social media how do we follow you in uh, instagram i'm pamela.r as in roger dot d as in diaz and then on uh, facebook i'm pamela rodriguez diaz and then what i'm trying to get to do this year is i want to start a blog just to definitely put my poetry out there and allow other poets to come through and share their work etc and have more of an open forum Oh, awesome. That's so that's project awesome. of 2019. Ooh, so yes. you might be doing an internet zine then. Yes, that would be great. Oh, nice, nice. Oh, watch out Thanks for that. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your Thank time. you for having me, Imogen. This has been great. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.
And that concludes the Sunday, August 18th episode of Poets and Muses. As always, you can follow us at our website at poetsandmuses.com or on our social media sites as SoundCloud, Instagram, as well as Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at the bottom of our poetsandmuses.com webpage or at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen A. Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.